You're listening to a sermon preached at Redeeming Life Church. While they're headed out, if you want to make your way to Romans chapter 7, we'll be in verses 7 through 13. Uh, If you're using one of the pew Bibles somewhere around you in one of those seat trays, uh, it's on page 1002. Also, it's on the U version with lots of scriptures that have been added to that. Just as you want to follow through our event, uh, you can find that by going to more events, then find Redeeming Life. I think it uses geolocation, so it makes it easy. Romans 7, 7 through 13. I'd like to start with the reading of God's word. It says this. What should we say then? Is the law sin? Absolutely not. On the contrary, I would not have known sin if it were not for the law. For example, I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had not said, do not covet. And sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me coveting of every kind. For apart from the law, sin is dead. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life again, and I died. The commandment that was meant for life resulted in death for me. For sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, deceived me, and through it killed me. So then, the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and just and good. Therefore, did what is good become death to me? Absolutely not. On the contrary, Sin, in order to be recognized as sin, was producing death in me through what is good, so that through the commandment, sin might become sinful beyond measure. Let's pray. Lord, as we look at what the Apostle Paul wrote, inspired here for us, inspired by the Holy Spirit, would help us to see why this would be included in his argument. Help us to see how it should shape us and inform us and what we can learn from it and not only learn but apply and trust. God, help us to understand your word with clarity. Help me to speak it clearly. God, we seek that it would change us and transform us. So, Lord, when we get to the end of this examination this morning, Lord, let it be something that we can take and be moved by and be stirred by and be changed by. Lord, because we seek to be sanctified at your hand by the power of the Holy Spirit, as we look at your word. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you remember from last week, we looked at Romans chapter 7, verses 1 through 6, because that's what we're doing, you know, one thing, then the next thing, then So that was the previous thing. And there, Paul argued that we died with Christ so that we would be freed from the law. And you remember, so that, that's an important little clue there, so that we could be united with Jesus Christ which, praise the Lord, that's fantastic. But then this raises a fair and reasonable question. If the law could not save us, and if the law eventually led to our death, is the law itself bad? And if so, how bad? And if it's the law that causes our death, then is the law in some way Sin. If sin causes our death, is, is the law associated with that? Or, in a little bit easier to understand ways, does the law have cooties? <laughs> Many Christians act like it does. We treat it like it has cooties. We think of it like that, but that's not the case. Even though we are no longer under the law, 
The law is still a gift for us today. There is blessing to be found in it. So this morning, I, I hope to show you kind of the thinking of Paul's argument. And praise the Lord, this time it's fairly simple. Some of Paul's stuff is a little difficult, but he makes it really clear here. So I want to show you Paul's thinking in his argument. And then I want to show you how we can still value the old covenant, even though we are not under it. Or in other words, I'd like to show you how your walk with Jesus and your sanctification and your growth can actually be helped by and benefited by, believe it or not, the law and the Old Testament. That's my goal today. So let's go ahead and start with the argument. And um, this is one of those things where if you could just kind of pull out some of the parts, it becomes abundantly clear. So if you go to, um, if you go to verse 7, he starts with the question, what should we say then? Is the law sin? That's the question. Absolutely not. And then if you jump over to verse 12, because he has an example in here. If you jump past his example, you'll actually see his answer really clearly. Is So the question, is the law sin? And then verse 12, so then, the law is holy, and the commandment is holy and just and good. That's the argument. The law, is the law sin? No, the law is holy, just, and good. So if you just, that's it. But now we have these other connecting tissues around it that help us to have some understanding. In the argument, just in verse 7, he says, I would not have known sin if sin were not, if it were not for the law. He wouldn't have even known sin if it were not for the law. And if he hadn't known sin, if he didn't understand that he was a sinner and that he had a sin problem, how would Paul understand his need for Jesus Christ? He'd be stuck. So what a wonderful blessing just right there. But he gives us an example he wants to show us, and it's really helpful when you're studying the Bible and you're reading an epistle, and, and then it says, for example. Oh, this is an example. For example. So let's go ahead and look at Romans 7, the last part, when he says, for example, through 11. Let's look at his example and see if it'll help us to understand his point a little better. Last part of 7 there, he says, for example, I would not have known what it is to covet if the law had said, do not covet. He's pulling that from the Old Testament law. And sin, seizing an opportunity through the commandment, produced in me coveting of every kind. For apart from the law, sin is dead. Once I was alive apart from the law, but when the commandment came, sin sprang to life again, and I died. The commandment that was meant for life resulted in death for me, for sin... Seizing an opportunity through the commandment deceived me and through it killed me. That's, that's his example. What Paul is not saying, and I think we need to kind of put some boundaries up and be clear about what he's not saying. What Paul is not saying is, if there was no law, there wouldn't be any sin. If I didn't know the Old Testament, I wouldn't be a sinner. If God didn't give the Ten Commandments, there would be no sin. He's not saying that. You say, how do you, how do you know he's not saying that? Well, let me ask you a question. If that were the case, why was it wrong that uh, Cain killed Abel? Why was it a sin? There was no Ten Commandments given at that point. Or if that was the case, by what standard were the people before the flood considered wicked and sinful to warrant the flood? And by what standard was, was Noah seen as righteous? Why did God judge and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah? 
if there's no sin without the express given law that we get in the Ten Commandments. Sin is still sin, regardless of our awareness of it. Sin is still sin, regardless of our access to the law or not. Sin is still sin, regardless of our willingness to acknowledge that God is the lawgiver and he gives us the truth. Our rejection of sin does not make it not sin. What Paul is saying here, so now we've got that boundary out of the way. What Paul is saying is, is it was like the law was activating his sin nature. The language here, which we use dead, kind of has a little bit more of a laid dormant tone. So it was sort of like when the law came, and then through the law, sin was given a, a, an energy drink. It was like fired up. It was like eight shots of espresso or something. Now it's going. Sin was fired up. Sin got busy. His sin nature started spinning. The engine was running. Something was laying dormant, and then it wasn't. When it says, apart from the law, sin is dead, that's verse 8. And, and uh, sin sprang to life in verse 9. It's a lot like an illustration of a cold snake. If you've ever seen a snake that's really cold, you could pick it up. It's not doing anything. It's just laying there dormant because they're, they're cold-blooded and it, it needs something to warm up. But then when there's a lot of sun on the snake and the snake is warm, the snake is now able to move and able to strike, and now the snake is deadly. That's kind of the language here that Paul is using. It, it wasn't active and dangerous or so it seemed to me. It was just kind of there. But then... It got activated and got very active. The law warmed up to his sin nature and got things going. It's also pretty much the same thing that happens anytime you tell a kid specifically not to do something. <laughs> you say, don't do this. And what do kids do? Especially teenagers. Especially teenagers. As soon as you say no... Something is stirring in them. It's activated where they go, yes. <laughs> now, let's not be too uh, hard on the kids because adults are exactly the same way. Have you seen this video? I just, it's going around. I don't know if you've seen it yet. Uh, it's an art exhibit. I don't know where it is. I, I couldn't figure out where this exhibit is, but the video is fantastic. It's an art exhibit, and you can tell it's like in an art gallery. And there's three like big screens like these screens. Okay, They're big, they're vertical, and they're just blue. They're just, they're not like dead, but they're just this weird kind of deep blue on all three screens and they're all connected and you're like, what is that? It kind of looks like a window maybe. There's nothing there. Except above the screens, it has a sign that says, please do not touch the screens. And then in the video, there's a guy standing there and he kind of looks around and I'm sure they knew what would happen. So he, he looks around and then he pulls his finger out he touches the screen, like it kind of does something. It kind of, kind of has some light, and something happens. Well, that's interesting. So he does it again, tap, 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 and then all of a sudden, wham! There's this big old shark, and it looks like the glass breaks, and it makes this big loud boom, and the guy like flies back. It's hilarious, right? Like a shark slams into the screen, scares the tar out of him. But I wonder, would anybody even bother trying to touch the screen, if not for the sign that said, "Don't touch the screen." <laughs> That's the whole point of the exhibit. It just shows us this internal thing that works in us. When we're told not to do something, how immediately everything in us says, I should do it. That's 
the problem. That's the illustration that Paul is showing what happened. This is what happened in me. As soon as I was told not to covet, all kinds of weird desires were coming out in me to covet. And Paul knows what we're thinking here in the argument. When you follow the flow of the argument, he knows where our mind is going. And so I'm guessing some of you might be thinking through the question a little bit. You're saying, okay, wait a minute. If it's the law that's stirring this up and then that's getting the sin going and then the sin is, is killing us, um, maybe we wouldn't sin if we weren't told not to. It's like, why would, why would that be? Why would we be told to sin if that's going to stir up the sin more? Okay, well, look over, at, look over at verse 13. Therefore, did what is good become death to me? That's really him saying the same thing. Well, if this is good, but it's causing me problems, what's the problem? Is that it should maybe I have not even heard of the good thing in the first place? And he goes on, he says, absolutely not. On the contrary... Sin, in order to be recognized as sin, was producing death in me through what is good. Now hear this, so that, remember last week? When you have this so that, you're getting a purpose statement, so that through the commandment, key into this, sin might become sinful beyond measure. That's the purpose of the commandment, that sin would be on steroids more than we could even measure the magnitude of all that sin. That was the purpose of all of this. Now that, you go, what? It's the entire idea. It's the entire purpose. How in the world is that a good thing? That doesn't seem good at all, right? But let me ask you this. Do you think you would feel like you need Jesus more or less if you didn't believe he had a sin problem? When you're steeped in sin, do you feel like you need Jesus more or less? When you're aware of those problems, do you turn to Jesus more or do you turn to Jesus less? We find it really difficult to want to worship Jesus or want to pray and talk with him or want to read from his word and know him better and love him more when we think we have it all worked out, don't we? When all things in our life seem like they're in our hands and we can handle it, we can do it. We don't seem to love Jesus very much, huh? We don't seem to trust him very much. We don't seem to depend on him very much. Therefore, the law exposes our sin and exposes our inability and exposes our sin nature. So the Holy Spirit can say, look at this. You have a big problem. You need a savior, Jesus Christ. So the more and more we realize our sin, the more and more we realize our need for Jesus. You see how that works? You see the necessity of it? You see how it's a blessing? How often do you think about getting various cancer treatments? Now I realize some of us in here in this room, some of you have cancer, so you think about it a lot. But for the rest of you, how often do you think about getting cancer treatments? How often do you take seriously the warnings about the things that could cause cancer? Maybe you roll your eyes about getting a colonoscopy, or you giggle if you're my children. Or maybe you don't think too seriously about getting a mammogram. It's just another burden. We have no shave November, 
right, to make an awareness for prostate cancer so the guys would have their prostate checked. We have these pink ribbons that we see everywhere, and we see all these pink things, and that's for the purpose of not only breast cancer awareness, but to compel women to get a mammogram and to have early detection. Right? But if we haven't yet been told we have cancer, we think quite a bit less about cancer, don't we? We just don't think about it. Or how about when you have to get your blood work checked to, to check on your cholesterol? <sighs> check on your blood pressure to, to see how you're doing. Okay, but let's say you don't ever get any of those tests. You never get the checkups. You never get the blood work. You never get any of that. And then you discover you have stage four cancer that's metastasized to three other parts of your body. Or you have this massive heart attack. Or you have a stroke. You're doing damage to your body that is beyond repair. There's no going back. When you're in that moment, you can just easily see how much you would have preferred to have had the test and had the benefit of early detection, right? Oh man, I'm glad we caught this early so that we could deal with it. The law is the test that exposes your sin problem so that before you're standing before a holy God in judgment when it is too late to do anything about it, you have an opportunity to turn to Jesus, to be sanctified by Jesus, to be radically transformed by Jesus. The law is the test to expose if you have a sin problem. And Romans 3.23 says, actually, we all have a sin problem. And the law just keeps reminding us, it keeps showing us so that we know where salvation is found in Jesus Christ. And it's not just about that initial salvation, it's for Christians. The law allows the Holy Spirit to whisper into our lives, to speak into our lives, to bring conviction. Conviction's really in this way a good thing. It's not condemnation and it's not guilt. It's, it's conviction that draws us back to Jesus to deal with the sin as a believer, as one who is saved and continually being redeemed and being sanctified, the Holy Spirit whispers in your ear, hey, there's this and there's that. Preaching on a text like this just caused God to really work me over in this way. The temptations usually for a preacher and the problems for a preacher are usually exactly what the text deals with. I can tell you constantly, the Holy Spirit all week long was whispering in my ear, this thing and that thing and this thing. Maybe he does that to you. And what's he whispering? He's not whispering, what do you think is right and wrong? What, what do you think would make you feel good? No. What's he whispering to us? This is not what God wants. This is why you need Jesus. He's whispering the law to us as a way of showing us our need for Jesus, right? It's a blessing. It's a course correction. The law is still a gift for believers. Okay, we're not saved by trying to keep the law. Let's be abundantly clear about that. Keeping the law is not what will save you. You are saved by Jesus Christ keeping the law for you perfectly. He lived the perfect life and you live in him. He died on the cross and you've died in him. He's raised and you'll be raised in him. See that? So Jesus is where our salvation comes, but the law is still a blessing to sanctify us, to bring us along. And we can be blessed by it. Rather than thinking the law has cooties, I'd like to show you four reasons. By the way, Kent, this will be the time if you need to. I'd like to show you four reasons why the law is still good for Christians. Four reasons. 
first. The law is still bringing conviction and the law is still ringing the alarm bells when we sin or when we're tempted to sin. So it can even help us to stay away from sin. The law is that, that ammo that the Holy Spirit can say, look at this, how about that? It's like a giant spotlight. And that conviction should be a warning for us, a, a, an awareness that we need Jesus. So the law helps us stay on the narrow path. It keeps us kind of going along. And it's a blessing. I never step on a scale because I don't want to know. (laughs) But the beauty of the law in the believer's life with the Holy Spirit for those who are willing is the Holy Spirit will say, here's where you're at. Here's how you're doing. Here's how things are going. And just kind of keeps you trucking along so you don't just one day step on the scale and go, whoa, how'd I get here? No, no, no. It's a daily journey. That's where that's happening again though i want us to remember that it's it's jesus christ who fulfilled the law in our place so that's not that that he's doing that to save you holy spirit's doing that to bring you along in your sanctification your growth with jesus right that it would honor god we need to remember that jesus has died in our place if you're a believer if you're a christian if you've surrendered your life to him he lived a perfect life that you can't live so you need to stop trying to be you know a perfect person in your lifestyle he died in your place He's going to be raised in your place, but this sanctification is showing us how we can live and flourish well and honor God in that. So it's a blessing. That's the first reason. Number one, the law still brings conviction to the believer to help us to live in a way that honors God. And it helps us fight sin and temptation. So we're not just falling into that every time. Okay, number two. Number two. The law shows us the heart and mind of God. It shows us what God likes and what God doesn't like. It shows us what God desires and what God doesn't desire. And, and it's not as if God was suddenly just okay with murder and adultery and, and covetous behavior and lying after Jesus went to the cross. He's like, oh, now I don't care about those things. He still cares about those things. In fact, Jesus died for your violation of the law, which is sin, for those things. So Jesus died for those things, and if it, was, if it was enough that God would have to bring the wrath of the law upon our Savior in our place, why would now we just be okay to turn a blind eye to it all? He's not. We are still expected to live by these principles, but now we have the power of God through the Holy Spirit to actually do it, to live well there, to be redeemed there. So this shows us what God wants and doesn't want in society. Shows us what God wants and doesn't want in our lives so that we would live this way. So if you want to know what God wants, you can see what he's presented to us and what he showed us. And praise the Lord, we're not under the bearing weight of the penalty for those things, but it should still cause us to want to live for what God desires and what God lives for. This helps us to see how we can live in ways that honor God. And let's be really honest with ourselves. Like a kid who just wants to eat candy for every meal, we know that's not good. We know that's not how they're going to live well and healthy. 
And we want to ignore the law and eat all those things and say, ah, I can do whatever in Christ. It's like eating candy for every meal. So while it doesn't save you, living the law, living that out to the best of our ability, you're still going to stumble. Jesus is going to forgive you. But living that out to the best of your ability is where you're going to find the most flourishing, joy-filled life. And when you stumble and you go, man, I blew it, and Jesus forgives you, you're going to get to celebrate that too and go, man, I failed here, but Jesus still comes and still carries me and still forgives me. The law shows us the heart and the mind of God. Number three, knowing the law also teaches us what is not sin. Why do I need to know what is not sin? Why would that be important? What's so helpful about that? You remember what happened to Eve when Satan came to tempt her? Remember how she added to the law something that wasn't there? Oh, don't touch. Well, that's not what the law was. Remember what happened when Jesus would be blasting away at the Pharisees for adding to the law and putting all these other burdens that were actually not in the law on the people? Remember that? Why is it a problem? Well, first, because that kind of behavior often makes us legalists. We say something's a sin when the Bible doesn't say it's a sin. Many of you can probably think of some examples. There's plenty of them out there because people add and and they create burdens that aren't there. And the danger of becoming a legalist is you then think you're the judge of everyone else. That's putting you in the seat of God. And that's not going to go so well for you. That actually is a sin. Because you're putting yourself above God. Here's another reason why we want to be aware of what is and what is not sin. Because at times, adding or declaring something as a sin that is not a sin actually undercuts the freedoms that we have in Christ, that Christ bought for us. And then it adds false burdens on us that God never intended for us. So you might not be living like a legalist, but you might be living under burdens that God never intended for you to live under. Never recognizing that that you are free in ways, that you do have opportunities to enjoy things, but we've now turned them into this idea of sinful thinking. And so these false things get intermingled with the true things and creates a lot of confusion for us. And third... And this one, I think, is the one I encounter quite often with people, and it's trying to counsel them through this. Sometimes Satan guilts us. That's different than conviction. Satan will guilt us with things that are not in the law to try to confuse us with these false things so that we don't understand conviction from the Holy Spirit for things that are in the law. Suddenly, we're confused about the difference between guilt and conviction, one from Satan, one from the Holy Spirit, one that's for our condemnation when Satan's messing with us, and the other that's for our good. And so one of two things will happen when we start to get confused about these things and they're intertangled. The first is we'll freak out about everything, including the good things and the conviction, not seeing them as blessings, and we'll just feel like we're constantly condemned when that shouldn't be the case. Or we'll just give up on it all and say, forget it, I don't care about all of it. Satan's trying to get you off the mark because with the con- With the conviction of the Holy Spirit, you're staying on that path. You're walking in what what God wants us to walk in. But if you get confused, you're not even doing that. 
Sometimes Satan gets us all wound up when we just need to relax or he gets us giving up and ignoring the Holy Spirit altogether because we don't know what is and what is not in the law. My encouragement to you is that you start to look into that. Here's the fourth reason why we need to understand the law as a blessing for us. Knowing the law, I mean knowing the law, understanding it, seeing how it works, knowing the law reminds us of what Jesus paid for when he died on the cross for us. I mean, like we really know. Not like, oh, hey, that's kind of nice. No, it was this, and it was this, and it was when I sinned there, and when I violated God's law there, and when I did this, and when I did that. That's what he died for me for. I know because I know the law. And so then when we know, it helps bolster our appreciation and our worship for Jesus. And we love him more, and we praise him more, and we say, wow, wow, this is so fantastic. We're so much more grateful. We're so much more ready to serve him because we understand what he actually died for. Knowing the law makes it so much better for us in this way. In fact, in Luke 24, verses 13 through 35, that's a ton of verses, Jesus appeared to two disciples on the road to Emmaus. They didn't recognize him at first, which is kind of cool because then they could sort of have a conversation. And in that conversation, Jesus used the law and the prophets to show how it all pointed to him, how it was all about him. Now, why would God have Luke inspired by God, use that much space and that much ink to tell us that story? Might it be because he thought it was an important point for us today that we can see Christ in the law and we can see how the law points us to Jesus? So if you just ignore it or neglect it, you're missing an opportunity to see Jesus in a better, more robust, more holistic way that then will result in you turning to him in worship and gratitude and thanksgiving. It's important for us. So if you're a Christian, if you're in Christ, you are not under the law. You're not under the burden. You're not under the wrath. But it is still a wonderful gift for us today. It's a wonderful gift. So don't neglect the law if you're a Christian. Okay, the law does not have cooties. It doesn't have cooties. I promise. Not, it's, it's not a terrible thing. It's a good thing. So I want to encourage that you dig into the Old Testament. I want to encourage that you dig into the law and learn more about it. And then remember while you're learning that it, it helps you in your relationship with Jesus and in your walk with Jesus, and it actually can benefit you so that you should be able to appreciate it. It's a gift, and you should think of it as such. We should thank God for it. But let us not forget that Jesus is the better gift. That Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. And we should praise God for that all the more. One more thing before we wrap up here. If you have not confessed that Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior, if you're not a Christian, and right now you're like, oh, here it is, I'm going to tune out because this is the part where he says I should become a Christian. That's not what I'm going to say right now. If you have not confessed that Jesus is your Savior, you still need to know the law. Because you're under the law. It means that you will be judged by it. And the law demands that you live it perfectly. Without Jesus, you have to measure up. Because you could live through Christ's perfect life, but if you're rejecting Jesus, 
The Bible says that's not the case. You have to live the law perfectly. Every letter, every jot and tittle, every part. And the Bible says that if you've missed even one part, you've failed it all. What kind of pastor would I be if I didn't warn you about that judgment that's coming? What kind of doctor would a doctor be if he looked at their results and said, well, this person has cancer and didn't tell him? I'm telling you. You need to know the law because that's what you're going to be up against. And it's not going to go well for you. So you should dig in and learn what it says and be ready. But if you do that, and as you're reading, you start to feel a sense of, oh, my, I need a savior. Oh, my, I need a solution. Oh, my, what do I do, God? Praise the Lord, there's the New Testament. So flip over a few pages. Go to maybe the book of John and see what Jesus does to fulfill the law. And he pleads with you, come. Surrender to me. And if you do, you can, I'll trade your sin for my perfect life and my death on the cross. And you won't be under the law anymore. If you're sitting in here and you're struggling with that or you're watching online, we want to talk with you about that. We really do. I'd be happy to show you the Old Testament law in which you'll stand before God. But I'd be even more excited to show you Jesus from his word in the Bible so that you too can see the law as a gift and not a curse because of what Jesus did for you in his perfect life, his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Would you pray with me? Father, I, I'm so thankful for Jesus. I'm so thankful that you showed us the law and you gave us this test by which we could, we could see our sin and that our sin would be multiplied more and more and more and more until it was an overwhelming heap that would compel us to run to our Savior, Jesus Christ. Continue to remind us, Lord, of our sins so that we would be even reminded more of Jesus Christ. Lord, we want to worship him. We want to praise him. We want to understand. We want to be thankful and show gratitude. We want to be sanctified. We want to live in a way that is pleasing to you. So, Lord, I just ask you would show us all this. You'd move us in this. So we thank you for the law, and we thank you even more for Jesus Christ as a fulfillment of the law. We say all these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. We'd love to have you as our guest. For more information, visit redeeminglifeutah.org.